So I want to say to you, I hear a sound in the poplar trees of Poplar Bluff, Missouri, saying it's time to attack the enemy. And that is what I've come to do tonight, is to attack our enemy. I have come to fight for my family. I have come to fight for your family. I have come to do spiritual warfare with the demonic foes of this nation. And tonight, God is on our side. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe that God has sent me tonight to share his expanded plan for a national revival. That he not only wants revival to come to the church house, but he wants revival to come to your house. I still believe, as I spoke some time back, this revival is unlike the many others. It's not just for one place, as in the past, at Azusa or Pensacola or Wells. No, it's going to take place all over our nation. I showed you a map of the United States, of pockets of light spread all across this nation, representing the churches. I believe that the palace of praise is going to be one of those lights in this region. I believe it's going to be a mother church used to birth revivals all over this region. I still recall that I prophesied in early 2019 that this altar is going to become a birthing room. This revival is to revive a whole nation. Therefore, it's more than just a revival. This thing is an awakening. And if you want revival in your house, then I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to declare this with me right here. Say, Lord, let it start in my house. Now give God praise. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. He may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5, I want to read it to you. And it says, And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place, in other words, every home, a place of Mount Zion, and upon her assemblies, a cloud and a smoke by day, and a shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon, for upon all, the glory shall be a defense. God is declaring his glory will be a defense for your home, for your dwelling place. Now, I want to talk to you now about what we're going to war against. Our families are literally being destroyed. And we can have revival in church houses all across America, but until we have revivals in our houses, what good is it? As human beings... With so much evil in our society, from murder to violence to addiction to abuse to witchcraft to sorcery to idolatry, etc., we're now living in a time you have to come to a decision about what you believe and who you believe in. For your family to have to choose you this day whom you're going to serve. So many want to be in the middle of the road on all things, but the middle is fastly eroding away. Why is that? Because we're getting down to the wire. Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. And you have a decision to make. You're either for him or you're against him. If ever there was a time in our lives, in our homes, in our families, you're being attacked by evil spirits and by demonic powers, it's in this day and hour, people. Now, when I begin to speak of demonic forces, I begin to raise a lot of eyebrows. When people are looking for answers to all this chaos, and you respond with spiritual reasoning, they conversations being, usually end up being over pretty quick. 
There are so many people, even in the church, who don't believe in demonic forces and the power that they possess and who never consider the influences they have in their lives. Yet you read the Word and it's full of incidents of demonic activity, full of confrontations with demonic forces. Jesus even said he gives us the power to cast out those demons. But in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, it speaks of how the fall of man when sin entered into the heart of man was a result of Satan's deceit. Now, I don't look for a demon under every rock. I know there's times there are those who take it to the extreme. I don't think we need to be unbalanced when we talk about spiritual warfare. But I think we better wake up and realize who our real enemy is. If you don't know, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, who said it best. Paul had it all figured out. All the suffering that he went through as an apostle, he knew who our real enemy is. He recorded it in Ephesians 6 and 12, declaring, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul was declaring our battles, our struggles, our trials, our hardships come from a spiritual enemy. And that all they, though they may be carried out by a physical being at times, but even though then those that bring us harm are driven by demonic foes to do the evil to us. You better realize that behind all this evil is a demonic foe at work. Antichrist spirits are the driving force. Satan has an army of demonic soldiers, demons in the spiritual realm. People are being driven by demonic influences to do evil. All that stuff that you see in here that just blows your mind. You think, how could anyone do that to a child? How could anyone do that to an elderly couple? do that kind of evil to their own mom and dad, treat their spouse like that, all that lying, cheating, manipulating, abusing, raping, murdering, stealing, how? It's because the demonic influence is driving them to. Many people who commit the most horrific acts have testified. They have heard voices telling them to do it. Folks, this is why Christ, when hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe that Christ was looking into the spiritual realm, seeing the demons that were driving those soldiers to persecute him, and he was saying, Father, if they really knew why they were doing this to me, they wouldn't be doing this to me. And that's where a lot of people are at today, doing a lot of things for reasons they know not, which are being driven by demonic influence. When Scripture reveals to us that in the last days there will be perilous times, folks, this is all going to be driven by demonic forces, Satan's army of demons. Liberalism is being driven by demonic influence. Can somebody say amen? Anyone who wants to demoralize our great country, destroy the morality of our nation, the sanctity of marriage instituted by God, and murder innocent babies by the thousands is being driven by demonic influence. This is why they can't do good and they do evil. But what is alarming, a lot of people in our society don't even believe in the existence of Satan. Folks, he's real. Read your Bibles. I know in this seeker-friendly approach churches are taking, they don't even discuss him. But I'm here to tell you, I feel as a minister of the gospel, I'm to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and no, but, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. I've pledged and committed my life to tell the world the truth, and that is Jesus is real, Satan is real, heaven is real, and hell is real. Come on, somebody. And you better believe the whole story and not just part of it. Evil spirits do not come from God. They come from Satan. God is not nor will ever be a part of anything evil. For it was God who cast Lucifer out of heaven along with a third of the angels, his demonic foes. And whether you choose to believe it or not, Satan is real. 
I'll tell you one thing. Until you do believe he's real, you're going to be so deceived. Because as Christians, we're at enmity with Satan. Satan hates us. John 10, 10 says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy us. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says he roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. As a Christian, you're going to find yourself in spiritual warfare, fighting an enemy you can't see, facing circumstances you can't understand. And a spiritual battle has to be fought with spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. As Christians, we should not be afraid of spiritual warfare. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Christ has given us power over our adversary. He told us we're made more than conquerors. He told us no weapon formed against us will prosper. He told us that if God be for us, who can be against us? He told us greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He told us we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. He told us it's his desire to show himself strong on our behalf. He told us the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. He told us that our worship would ambush our enemies. He told us that our prayers are our most powerful weapons. He told us that his is sharper than a two-edged sword. He told us if we'll have faith just the size of a mustard seed, we can say to that mountain, be thou removed. He told us to put on the whole army of God so we can stand against the wild enemy. He told us to stand like a tree planted by the water, unshakable, unmovable, and not to let every wind and wave of doctrine didn't change, uh, change our minds. He told us to flee from the very presence of evil, and that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard. Amen. That is what he told us. Now, God has placed a word in my heart, one that is truly going to be challenging to many of us, and one that is truly going to expose the enemy's tactics, one that will put me at war against the moment, foes tonight. I know I've been there before, but I tell you, I will stand here boldly under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and I will declare, thus saith the Lord. I've come with a word from the Lord, words that will overcome your enemy, words that will challenge you, words that will free you. I come with the truth. How many know the truth will make us free? Now, I've said all that to get to where the Lord wants me to speak directly to us. It will all fall in place in just a moment. Satan is attracted to atmospheres, conditions, and situations, and circumstances that will allow him to operate his doctrine of deception. Atmospheres that give him an opportunity to infiltrate and operate to fulfill his plan. He constantly looks for open doors, moments of vulnerability in our lives, for opportunities to invade and to deceive somebody, opportunities to make mountains out of molehills, to stir up dissension, to create havoc in our lives, to cast doubt and unbelief upon us. What does the Word of God declare is his plan? To kill, steal, and destroy you your children, your family, your marriage, your ministry, your career, your dreams, your destiny. He has an assignment plan for his demons to carry out, destroy the plan of God for your life. To counter these attacks, first of all, we have to believe the enemy is real, that there is a battle of enormous measure going on daily, hourly, 24-7, between good and evil. These battles are taking place in the heavenlies. Satan never rests. He's adamant about his plan. He desires to be God and to be worshipped. But the good news is we serve a God who neither slumbers nor does he sleep, and he deserves to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Daily, the Holy Spirit and evil spirits war in the heavenlies over our lives. The good news is the outcome has done been determined. Read your Bibles and the book of Revelations. In the end, good wins and our God prevails. Evil spirits will not prevail. 
The Holy Spirit, too, is a spirit. As well, it is attracted, drawn to a certain atmosphere, such as an atmosphere of praise. The Bible declares that God inhabits the praises of his people. Knowing this about the Holy Spirit, then you should know this about evil spirits. They are attracted to certain atmospheres that invite their presence. Because you have created an atmosphere that Satan can dwell in, such as he attaches himself to acts of morality, sinful practices, rebellion, which is a form of witchcraft, sorcery, pornography, sexual morality, sinful vices, to anything that opposes God to wrap up the list. When you create an atmosphere conducive to his evilness, it's like having an open window in your life that gives the right of entry for demonic foes to enter into your house. Like a thief crawling in your window of your house at night. We won't leave the windows of our house open at night anymore due to physical awareness of how crime has escalated in our society, but we will leave the windows of our minds open all too often. Giving him a window of opportunity where he can come in like a thief, he's often referred to in Scripture as a thief, where he can come in like a thief and destroy your dreams and destiny by attacking your mind to where he can operate and he can influence and he can wreak havoc in your life, in your family, your marriage, and your finances. Why did I say the mind? Because the mind is the battlefield. It's where wars are won and lost. Through your mind, evil imaginations can be planted and caused to grow. Jesus tells us that this to be true. He even said in James 1 to cast down every evil imagination. Satan's so subtle, he's so deceitful, trickeries especially. He sells his schemes based upon pleasure to the flesh. He waits and he plans for the day of opportunity. Then he goes for the juggler. He's ruthless. He laughs at, his mis at your misfortunes. He celebrates your tragedies. Hearing you weeping and crying and seeing you suffering is music to his ears. He attacks you when you're the most vulnerable. So the question can be posed, if Satan can attack you and demons are real, can a home be controlled by demonic forces? That's a challenging question. Are any of you familiar with a movie that came out in 1979 called the Amityville Horror Story? If not, it was based upon a true story of a young man who killed his whole family, all six members. His whole defense as to why he killed them was he said his mind heard voices in that house that told him, told him to carry out this insane act of evil. Well, after the boy was sentenced to a life sentence, amazingly, a family moved in after them, the Lutz family. The family bought the house for a steal, they thought, at $70,000. Yet only 28 days later, the family ran out of the house one night and never returned. Because they claimed the house was haunted, they said there were evil spirits in it that literally manifested themselves right before their eyes. Now, I don't understand everything about a place being haunted, but I do believe when a horrific act of murder takes place, demonic foes are present during the act of violence. And I believe that the blood of the innocent can speak at a crime scene. Don't they always, the very first thing, look for blood at every crime scene for evidence? Well, according to Genesis 4, we find this to be even true when Cain slew his brother Abel. If you know the story, Abel's blood that was shed on the ground spoke to God. And God told Cain, I hear the voice of your brother crying out to me. The voice is coming from Abel's blood. When innocent blood is shed, it has a voice that demons can hear and angels can hear in the spirit world. That's why we need to understand the power of the spirit world and the power of the blood. If innocent blood can send out signals that attract God, if there are things in a home that can work as spiritual lightning rods and attract demonic powers into your home, 
then you better listen closely to me tonight. Because I believe then that certain things can be brought into your home and certain acts can be or could have taken place in your home where it causes an atmosphere and conditions that attract demonic foes into your household. Stay with me. The question should rise, if the devil is active in your home, your marriage, your children's life, how do I keep him out? Well, let's find out. We're going somewhere. If you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Leviticus 14. It's a passage of scripture that has to do with demonic powers haunting a home existing within it. I know by now you're already wondering, where am I going? Hold on, I'm going to drive all this home shortly. Leviticus 14, first of all, as I begin, know that leprosy in Scripture was always symbolic of sin. If you had leprosy, you were deemed unclean, often cast out of the city. You were forced into a leprosy colony. And the law required if you came within 150 yards of someone, you had to scream to them, unclean, unclean, to warn those around you of your disease. Many believed if you had leprosy, it was always because sin of sin that you had done. It was a curse on you. You were cursed. When the Israelites had come into the land God had promised them, and they defeated the Canaanites, their enemy fled, and they abandoned their homes. Upon them seizing their land and their homes of the enemies, many of the Israelites moved into their homes. You follow me? The Canaanites who once lived in these homes were considered evil people because of their lifestyles. They worshiped idols, and they committed evil acts, and leprosy was often found amongst them. So upon the Israelites moving to the abandoned Canaanite homes, realizing the atmosphere they could be moving to, the Israelites were, according to Leviticus 14, they were to call for the priests, come and inspect the house, see if it was empty, and that no evil spirits were lurking. If leprosy was present, they would pronounce it ceremonial unclean. The priests would look to see if there were red and green streaks of containment that would go deep into the surface of the house. Why would this be? Because upon hearing that the Israelites were coming to take over their city and their homes, many of the Canaanite people would hide their idols by burying them in the walls of their houses. In an attempt to curse the Israelites with their idol and idolatry secretly hidden in the walls. So that when the Israelites lived there, they would suffer with the demonic foes, and they would be cursed or infected, and they wouldn't know why because it was hid in the walls. The evil practice of the Canaanites in their homes attracted these demonic forces that dwelled in there in an unseen presence. Even many of these heathens would sacrifice the blood of their children in these homes. They did abominable acts in these houses, and God knew it. And therefore, to protect his people, he sent instructions to Moses, here's what you do. God said, I will expose the evil in these homes. So send the priest into the homes first. They'll see the red and green streaks on the walls if evil is present. Now, let's get started. God knew what had taken place in their homes. And believe me, God knows what takes place in our homes. And that may be a surprise, surprise moment to someone tonight. But it's the truth you need to hear. So God told Moses, he said, Moses, if when the priests go into the homes and there is red and green streaks that begin to manifest themselves, it's a sign there is a spiritual force at work in that home. Why? Because of what had been practiced in that home, attracted and created an atmosphere conducive for demonic foes to dwell in. Now, here's where you really need to listen up. God said, when you find this, 
You need to dig through and into the foundations, and you will find there are idol gods, demonic powers in that home, hidden idolatry. You see, he wanted them to look and see what was in their closets. He wanted them to look and see what's hidden under the beds. He wanted them to look on their computers. He wanted them to look and see what was on their phones. He wanted them to look and see what was hanging on their walls. Look for the evil influences in their lives. So it says Moses called for the priest. And the priest would come and they'd shut the home up for seven days. And the priest would cleanse the house for seven days. And if after seven days the streaks were still there, he knew it was a spiritual problem. Come on, somebody. Help me preach right here. The only way they could get the streaks out was to take the blood of an innocent lamb and apply it. They were told to apply it to the doors, to the walls of the house, and the blood, come on somebody, would break the demonic powers over that house and cleanse the home. Here we go. I want you to understand, just as Israel had red and green streaks in their homes, here we are living in a time, if you would look spiritually in your home, perhaps you could see some red and green streaks in your own home. Oh, no, not in my home. Have you looked at it through spiritual eyes? I will tell you this. Regardless of whether you see it or not, God sees it. It's sin and it's idolatry. Meaning there's things allowed in or been brought in, or perhaps activities that have created an atmosphere that attracts demonic influence into your house. And God sent me to say, sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly, people are, are attracting demonic foes into their homes. And I want you to understand, we don't just come in here to play church. The devil's real. If we want to protect our families, not only do we got to clean up our lives, we got to clean up our homes. We not only got to get God's glory back in the church house, we got to get his glory back in our house. I'm preaching now. I came to preach to start, start something. I'm tired of preaching something that don't start nothing. Come on, somebody. It's time for some things to start moving. It's time for some things to start changing in our homes. Why is it so important to get God's glory back in the home? Because God said so. He said in Isaiah chapter 4 that I read, his glory will be a defense in your dwelling places, in your home. God says, I don't want you to be just blessed at church. I want your homes blessed. He said, here's the problem. People come to church, and they get touched, and they get blessed. They get all emotional, teary-eyed, come on. Yet we're real good about hiding our issues in our homes. We're all, we are real good at putting wallpaper over our streaks covering up stuff in our homes so nobody can see them with the physical eye, but God says, I see them, and they're attracting demonic foes into your house, and you're wondering why you got so much chaos in your home, in your marriage, and in your children. And we know how to come to church and act like we got it all together. Everything's great, and maybe it is in here, but if we look through our spiritual eyes, we would see that perhaps there are red and green strikes in our marriages that are affecting our homes and our families. And our neglect to see is creating an atmosphere conducive to attracting demonic foes into our homes, and we don't even see it. Men, your neglect to be priests of your homes and get that stuff out of your homes is destroying your family. Until you do, you're sleeping with your enemy. Now, don't shut me down just yet. Stay with me. God's got a lot to say. This might get a little tough for a moment, but just stay with me. 
I believe regardless of the experiences folks have in the church house, if their home isn't clean, that by the time they leave here and get home and put their key in the door and open it up, they're walking right back into the devil's den. Because they're waiting for them are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that are influencing bitterness, cursing, immorality, depression, oppression, and bondage to the point they don't even want to go home because something ain't right there. It, it don't feel in their house like it felt in the church house. Because of all this stuff that's been brought into the home, attached to vices of the enemy such as drugs or alcohol or pornography or lust or greed that's been or is existing in the home knowingly or unknowingly. This may get tough, but it's good stuff, kind of like bad taste in medicine, but it'll help you get better if you can swallow it. God want, only wants his presence to dwell in the church house, but he also wants it to dwell in your house. That's why it feels so good, and that's why it feels so bad there. God's saying you can have a church sanctified and kept holy, come to church, go to an altar, get touched by the presence of God, and all that is good and it should happen. But the minute you leave here and walk in your house and lay down and go to sleep with the enemy all night long, it's not going to last very long. Why? Because the enemy that is entrenched in your home is going to kill, steal, and destroy your joy. What you got from here because of what you got going there, are you hearing me? That's why when we get touched on Sunday, by Monday we're throwing in the towel. By Tuesday we want to leave him. By Wednesday we're hanging back out with the wrong crowd. By Thursday you're signing divorce papers. By Friday we're quitting ministry. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. And I've been wondering for a long time why all this no nonsense, why this roller coaster of a religious circus is still in town. When we're having moves of God in here, we're speaking in tongues and we're running and we're dancing and then falling apart two days later, quitting ministry and quitting the church. And God says, Randy, the problem ain't in the church house. It's in our house. And God is saying, I got to be more than just your Savior. I got to be Lord over all of your life. I've got to be Lord over everything. Not just your church house, but even your house. And when I am, you'll never be sleeping with the enemy again. You will sleep in peace because I give my beloved sleep. Why do we want the church house to be so right and holy, but not our house? There's things we wouldn't even dream of bringing into God's house. Things we wouldn't think of practicing in God's house. But yet everything can come and go in our house. We allow it in our house and we practice them in our house. God said, tell somebody, you got stuff in your house, leprosy inscribed in your walls due to what you are doing or what you're allowing to go on in your home. What you are in secret is who you really are. Come on. I'm about to wreck this house tonight. God's saying behind those closed doors, nobody's watching but me. There's stuff going on in your home, some of you know about even participating in, condoning, or allowing. And there are some of you who aren't paying attention and it's happening in the room down the hall and you're wondering why you're struggling. You're wondering why your kids are rebelling. Somebody's leaving a window open for the thief to come in. You're not looking for it through spiritual eyes. It's in your home, but now it's going to take what it took in Moses' day to see it. It's going to take a spiritual eye to see the signs, to see the red and green streets. Come on, help me finish this thing. To see the sin, the practices of it. If you can't see it, ask God to reveal it. He did for the Israelites. You got to get this here, men. Listen up. In order to see it in the homes, God told them to send a priest to the house. Is there a priest in your home? 
God told me to tell every man in here. And if there's not a man in the home, then tell the leader of the home. It's time to be the priest of your home and clean it up. Go home. Lock it down for the next seven days and clean it up. Go from the front door to the back door, from the child's bedroom to your bedroom, from the child's closet to your closet. Clean up the leprosy that's entrenched, and until you do, you're sleeping with the enemy. And what good is revival in the church house if it can't happen in your house? It's time to be spirit-filled man and woman and clean it up. Men, I put this on you because according to Scripture, you're to be the priest of your home. And before you can clean up your home, you've got to get yourself cleaned up. It's time to man up, to stand up, and declare, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Hallelujah. There's stuff in your house you know, and there's stuff you don't know. Maybe it took place before you ever moved in your home. Maybe there was demonic activity going before you ever moved in. There was before the Israelites moved in and cleaned it up and drove it out. I tell you, grab yourself a bottle of anointing oil and go from the front door to the back door. Anoint your home with oil and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your house. There are things going on in your home that are attracting demonic foes and influence into your home. It's coming in through your TV. It's coming in through your Internet. It's coming in through your cell phones, those very things your family enjoys together, those things that are slowly indoctrinating our minds, affecting you and affecting your family. That's why there's so much struggle. You better hear the word of the Lord tonight. Keep on visiting restricted sites on the Internet and see if you don't end up committing sin. Keep on social drinking as you justify it to see if it don't lead you to sin. Keep having knock-down drag-outs in front of your children. See if it don't affect their lives in the years to come. Keep chatting online with someone other than your spouse. See if it don't lead you to sin. Oh, we're just friends. That's how it always started out. But when the only time you talk to him is when he's gone to work, if the only time you talk to her is when the wife's asleep, keep on until you find yourself driving down the road to Motel 6 and meeting them. Keep allowing your children to consume hours of violence on the TV and inappropriate sites on the cell phones with unsupervised parental guidance. See if it don't affect the behavior. I tell you what, I got a test for you. I can remember as a kid growing up in the 60s watching shows on TV and sometimes in black and white TV. It'd be cowboys and Indians. Then there'd be shows about bank robbers. And then there'd be shows about wrestling and sometimes before the show was even over, me and my two brothers were already acting out what we were seeing on the TV. Don't believe me? Take the test. Next time your children are watching something, watch and see how their behavior changes. See if they're not influenced to repeat what they saw, whether it was good or bad. Keep watching shows that lead you to, to a depressive state of mind. All it's ever about is tragedy and murder and incest and abuse. Keep watching. See if you don't put your mind in a state of depression. Keep looking at those peep sites. See if it don't lead you to an addiction. It happened to King David staring at Bathsheba, led him to commit adultery and even plot a murder. King David, a man after God's own heart. If it can happen to him, it can happen to you. Why? Because there's things that are a result of demonic influence, and it's real. Oh, now, Randy, don't oh, now, Randy, me. You come to the wrong one to try to convince me otherwise. I've spent the last 24 years counseling people whose lives have been destroyed by these very things. These things are happening every day in our homes. A little bit of leaven can destroy the whole lump. It's all driven by a plot of Satan to destroy our families. 
and sadly too often it's happening. The divorce rate stands at 60% in the homes of Christians and non-Christians alike. And God is saying it's time to stand up and declare for me and my house. I want to say it again. We want to serve the Lord. It's time to walk into some homes, and it's time to get rid of some things. It's time to clean them up. It's time to clean out some refrigerators. It's time to delete some websites. It's time to put some restriction codes on some computers. It's time to throw away some magazines and cancel some subscriptions. It's time to take some stuff off your child's bedroom wall. It's time to wash some mouths out with soap. It's time to throw away some unmodest clothing. It's time to set some curfews. It's time to pick who your kids can and can't hang out with. It's time to demand, demand some respect in your home. It's time to look through some cell phones. It's time to tell Uncle Joe who you love so much. Next time you're drunk and you want to come over, don't! Come over tomorrow when you're sober. Don't bring that junk to my house. It's time to look under some beds and through some closets. Parents, there should not be a room in your house off limits to you. It's your house. How dare you let a 13-year-old tell you to get out of his bedroom and what he is and isn't going to do? How dare you let a 23-year-old lazy person too too, too lazy to get up and go to work remain in your house with that lazy spirit? Anything that is not conducive to Christian living or would cause you or your children, your grandchildren to stumble, throw it out. Randy, you're talking about legalism. No, I'm not. Don't you fall for that liberal justification. I'm talking about being right with God and defending your home so the Spirit of God can dwell there. So, how do I clean it up? He sent a priest who locked the house down for seven days. And for seven days, he went through the house and he cleaned it. He said, even to the very foundation. Why seven days? Remember the number seven is what? The number of completion of sanctification. The only thing that removed the leprosy was the blood of the lamb. And God is saying, go to church, get yourself right, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and be the priest of your home. In your pursuit of righteousness, it's time to be empowered to have the authority you need to cast out devils. You need to be filled or refilled with the Holy Ghost for you shall receive power. Until you do, you won't see what's wrong. You won't be looking through spiritual eyes. You won't understand the power of the little foxes that destroy the vines. You won't be able to discern evil and the things attached to demonic activity unless you're spirit-filled. We want the church house to be a holy place. We want our temple to be holy. But by the next day, we're defeated. Why? Because the home's not holy. God wants complete restoration. He wants his glory to defend your dwelling. Here's why this message is so important to preach for those who are in the pursuit of righteousness. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, where I shared this message from, the red and green streaks represent leprosy in the home, sin in the home. As I was reading, God gave me a strong word. You see, prior to chapter 14, chapter 13, it began to talk about cleansing the leper, the person, symbolic of cleansing our lives of sin. It says to cleanse a leper who had leprosy, to cleanse a person who had sin, first they had to cleanse the leper. He had to have the leprosy, symbolic of sin, removed from his life. A ceremonial cleansing was performed. First, they removed their clothes and they cleansed them. Second, they had to get rid of their clothing, which was symbolic. In other words, get rid of the things out of their lives that were infected, the things that were attached to their lives. For us to get right, we've got to get the things out of our lives to be clean before we can get ever get our homes clean. Then thirdly, they had to cleanse the homes they lived in. And here's what God's told me. God's trying to help us tonight, church. You can come in here and get yourself clean, clean up some things in your life that caused you to sin, 
and you should, first thing, it starts with you. But if you don't get your house clean, what good is it? See, God made them cleanse the lepers, cleanse their things, and then cleanse their homes. Let's look at it in the physical realm for a moment to help you understand what I'm trying to tell you. If you go out and you fall in a mud puddle, what happens? You and your clothes become filthy. That mud puddle causes you to be dirty. You and your clothes. Well, what will happen if you go home muddy and walk in your house? First of all, your wife will kill you. But let's leave her out of the illustration for a moment. So you go into your house muddy and you sit down on the couch, what happens? Your house becomes dirty too, correct? But what if you decide to clean yourself up? First, you take your muddy clothes off and take a bath. But if you put your muddy clothes back on, what happens? You become dirty again. Same as with sin. But what if you decide to take a bath, put on clean clothes, but you go sit back down on that muddy couch? What good does it do to clean yourself up if you don't clean the house up you live in? Same as what good does it do to have a clean house and you're dirty? Now I hope you get it. So as it is seen in the natural, it must be seen in the spiritual. And God's saying, what good is it going to do to come to the church, clean yourself up, your life up, and not clean your house up? In order for us to truly have transformation, it has to be a complete cleansing. Your house has got to be as holy as the church house. God dwells in the hearts of men, so your body is the temple, yet your temple dwells where? In your house. This is why so many people are struggling. Oh, we can't do that or act like that in the church house, but we do in our house. We cuss, we fight, we drink, etc. I want to tell you, God wants you all the more to be holy in your house as well as in the church house. He wants how you appear in the church house to be how you are in your house. Because if you're not, by the time you get home from the church house, you will have done lost what you got from God's house. Because you've done gone back to sleeping with the enemy. And have, and have you ever thought what has attracted your life at your house, you're bringing into God's house? You can't clean up part of your life. God is saying we've got to clean it all up. What good would it have done for the lepers to be cleansed, clothes cleansed, and then went and lived in a house full of leprosy? It's just a matter of time they would have been affected by the leprosy again and again. And for some, that is a pattern in their life. They come here and they get clean, and they go out there and live right, and then they go right back into sin again and again. You can come in here and make things right with God, but unless they're right at home, the leprosy, the sin, will affect you again and again. God didn't want the sins of others to affect Israel. Neither does he want our sins to affect others, our homes, our children. That's why you see so many people in and out, in and out. They get it right here, but they never get it right out there. And God told me to tell you, we're continually desiring for our leaders to be holy. We desire for the church to be holy. We even have a desire for the politicians to be holy. We have a desire for the leaders in the White House to be holy. And we should. He said, but the problem is those in the church houses and the White Houses come from our houses. And then if we get our house right, then we'll get the church house and the White House right. And God says it's time to clean up our houses. Leaders of, tomorrow's, of tomorrow are being raised in our homes. And what kind of leaders they will be will be determined by what goes on in our homes. What are they influenced by, good or evil? And I don't care how much spick and span and Lysol you spray, it won't clean up spiritual dirt in the home. 
It'll look good on the surface. It'll make the house smell good. And a carnal mind will never see the red and green streaks, the stuff engraved in the walls, the hidden demonic stuff, the idolatry. Church, we're fighting an enemy we can't see. We're sleeping with an enemy we can't see. And until we become the priest of our homes and open up our spiritual eyes, you'll never see the demonic influences right there in your home. Now, what a challenging message. It wore me out. The things we let slide in our homes, the confrontations we avoid, the blindness to the little foxes, oh, that won't hurt you. The liberalism. Church Christianity is not liberal-based. It's liberty-based. We got things going on that we know and even participate in that we think are hidden. We got things we don't even know about. Young people, it's time for your parents to make you accountable. And parents, it's time for you to be accountable to the welfare of your children. When my children live in my home, or if anyone ever should live in my home again, they're accountable to me, and I'm accountable to God for their actions in my home. Now, when my children are grown, living outside of my home, I can't control them. They're adults. They're now responsible for their own actions. But my house, I have to defend. And I can't let no one come dragging stuff in because I'm too weak to defend my home. It's time to say, oh, no, you don't, Uncle Joe or Aunt Sue or Big Brother. Not in my house. I know when my children failed growing up, I didn't hate them. I still love them. They're my children. I die for them. But I would correct them, and I would confront them, but I wouldn't endorse their actions. Oh, well, they're just teenagers. No. I would go to battle for their lives. I took it as a wake-up call that there's an enemy trying to destroy them. The fight's on. Because I know without demonic influence, they never would oppose God's principles that they'd been taught. If you're wondering why you're touched on Sunday, struggling on Monday, check your home. While you're getting into ministry and you're wanting to quit two weeks later, check your home. Church, revival is here. And for it to remain and for it to intensify, it's a time to pursue righteousness. And I challenge each and every one of you to a seven-day challenge. I see people taking on all kinds of stupid challenges on the Internet, cold water and eating cinnamon, etc. That won't gain you a thing but maybe stroke your ego because you did it. But I got a seven-day challenge for you that could change your family's life. Go home as a priest of your home, search every end of it, reevaluate what goes and comes in your house, get you a bottle of anointing oil, anoint the doorpost of every room from the front door to the back door to every room of your house where you sleep, where your children sleep. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your home and over your family, asking God's glory to defend your house and home. Rid your house of anything that's been there prior to you living there and since you lived there. You go home and start this, there'll be warfare. You better be ready. And God is saying to the priest, go home, sweep the house, cleanse it, plead the blood over your home and family, change the atmosphere that will attract the presence of God. If sin can create an atmosphere of demonic foes to dwell, then that means worship can create an atmosphere for the presence of God to dwell in that attracts the presence of God, and he'll camp angels in your homes that will defend your homes and your families. It's time to put worship 
back in our homes. It's time to play worship music in our homes. It's time to sing worship songs in our homes. It's time to pray in your homes. It's time to read the word of God in your homes. And God's glory will defend your homes. If you can worship in the church, you can worship at home. If you can pray at the church, you should be able to pray at your home. If you can speak in tongues at the church, you ought to be able to speak in tongues at your home. If you don't cuss at church, don't cuss in your home. If you don't drink at the church, don't drink in your home. If you make your kids mind in the church, make them mind at home. If you can get up and clean up and go to church, you can get up and clean up at the home. Come on, somebody. Then revival will be in your house, and as a result, revival will be in your church. My whole point, if revival is only in the church house and not in your house, then you're not truly revived. When the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the glory of the Lord, ended up in Obedidim's house, it wasn't in David's house. But when David heard that the glory was in Obedidim's house, David went to that house where the glory was. And David brought the glory back to his house. And he turned his house and the church house and a nation into revival. I know some of what I preached tonight wasn't exciting to say, at least for some folks tonight. But I declare to you, I'm one of the many vessels God's going to use to bring and preach the spirit of Pentecost back into the church and into your house. And the standard has to be set is holiness. And the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. But you hurt my feelings. That's okay. Because your feelings what got you in your mess. And maybe they need a good old Holy Ghost spanking. Because it led you astray. I want to tell you something. This old mamby-pamby, watered-down gospel, people are drinking, can't heal a flea, let alone your life or a nation. And this mouthpiece is going to speak the word of God. So that when your life is all jacked up and your family's all in a mess and your spouse has gone mad and your children are one step away from being crazy, you can walk into the house of God and hear truth that will set you free, set him or her free, set the whole family free by regenerating your mind, crushing your evil imagination, cleaning up your life by the washing of the word. Because when you come to the church and the preacher is living a spirit-filled life and the praise team is on fire and the atmosphere is charged with God's presence, you can expect to have your life turned around in this house so that you can turn it around in your house. I don't know why folks want the church house to have revival, don't want to have revival in their house. And I challenge every person in this house that wants to see revival in God's house to start praying for revival in your house. And the glory will defend your house. It'll save your family. You can't break free in here and be bound there. Breakthrough has to go beyond these walls. What good is it to have revival in the church house and not have it in your house? You got to get yourself clean. Then you got to clean up your house so you can stay that way. I didn't come to preach this to condemn anybody. I came to preach it to help somebody. I came to wreck the enemy's plans and his plots that he has to destroy the families of God. 
He always goes after what you love the most. And my musicians will come. I have come to declare to you that the devil is a liar. And there's some things you need to declare. You need to declare, devil, get your hands off my family. You need to declare, you can't have my wife. You need to declare, you can't have my children. I'm not blinded anymore. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave my house. Now, if you can declare it in here, then when you get home, you need to declare it there. Because there is a rumbling in this place. There is a sound in this place. And the point of my message is you got to take the glory that is in this house back to your house. Hallelujah. Oh, but Randy, you don't understand what it's like in my home. I may not. But I want you to understand you got to change the atmosphere that attracts the presence of God. We cannot let what goes on there destroy what God is going to do in here. Because what God's doing in here can change what's going on out there. Would you stand with me? Oh, but Randy, my spouse is not even saved when I go home. I know this. When David brought the glory back to his house, his spouse, Mikkel, didn't like it. She was furious. And David looked at her, being the priest of his home, and said, you may not like what I've done, Mikkel, but you better get used to it because I'm going to do this all the more tomorrow. He was declaring that in his house they were going to serve the Lord. And whether you like it or not, whether you participate or not, Mikhail, I'm going to serve the Lord in my house. How many of y'all want revival in your homes? Then I'm going to ask you, as these musicians come, I'm going to ask you to grab the hand of your spouse. I'm going to ask you, if your family's here with you, grab your family and meet me at the altar.